Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today is Debbie Bancroft, who has been writing social columns for the publications in New York and out in the Hamptons for a number of years, many years. And uh, uh, she looks lovely. I'm doing this again at Zoom, and she's in her home here in Southampton. And uh, let me ask you a couple of quick, quick questions. Uh, I read uh, one article that was in the New York Times about your closets, something about the number, number of shoes and everything was actually uh, purchased with a budget in mind, except for a particular dress, which you bought many years ago that had uh, tell me, tell me about that. You were t- talking to the Times about it at the, in their story. Is it still? I, I think it was actually the Wall Street Journal. I, I think clever writers a while ago figured out they had an absolute stooge in me because I tell the truth about everything uh, to a fault. <laughs> it's come back to bite me. That particular story, a lovely writer called Ray Smith, who I adore, was sort of fascinated. In those days, I would be given a lot of clothes to wear feels like forever ago. And I was sort of amused once or twice for some designers. And then I was also a very crafty purchaser. I mean, I'm all about sample sales and, and now we can all be on the real reel. It was, it was sort of not that hard to be uh, a very efficient, economical fashion girl. And so I was for a long time. And going through the closet with Ray, it was so funny. Everything had a little memory. Oh, I remember, or sometimes even get hand-me-downs. I mean, and I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I'm sort of proud of it. And I have a hell of a wardrobe now. I'm trying to get rid of some of it because we don't have room. But that was my little story through my closet with the Wall Street Journal. And you were writing a society column for a while. Talk about that. I did. I did for a long time. Um, You know Pamela Gross very well. A long time ago, Pamela said to me, Debola. If you can write the way you talk, you have a column. <laughs> and I hadn't really ever thought about it. And this was, oh my goodness, I guess 20 years ago or something. She was the editor of Avenue at the time. And um, so I started writing just kind of the way I spoke. And, and I did it for a very long time. As you probably know, Avenue was bought by somebody else, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago. And the whole thing changed. The entire editorial staff went. And it's a different kind of online uh, magazine now. And then I started writing for New York Social Diary. This is in New York. But during the summer, I think it was Hampton Style was one of Jimmy Finkelstein's publications. And I'm pretty sure I was the editor for a summer or two and had some fun with that. It would seem that you might know if you were. Yeah, there were a lot of magazines in there. And then I wrote for Hamptons and Avenue on the Beach. And, you know, everyone still wants you know, a place in the doorways of the stores out here with their magazines. And in those days, it was slightly less clustered. And so I think things got read a little bit better, but this was a while ago. So I haven't written for any Hamptons publications in a while, except for when I write for New York Social Diary about something that happens out here. But I'll tell you, Dan, I don't write that much anymore. Why not? 
Well, I kind of stopped obviously during COVID. It was sort of, um, you know, I was writing about going to Tate's <laughs> And, you know, driving up on Noyak Road, I was sort of boring myself. So I thought to be kind to David Patrick Columbia, my editor, I would just stop for a while. And then when things started coming back, I don't know, I, I was kind of tired of listening to myself. You know, I, I wrote one story about my best male friend, Jeffrey Bradfield, who had the most extraordinary birthday in Venice, three days of just you know, elegant, extraordinary fetting that will never happen again. And that wrote itself you know I just had to do that and that's also it was one of my gifts to him because it was a lovely sort of you know keepsake for him but other than that I haven't written in many months now and I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it well I was can I ask you this um, I guess a generation ago more further back was a very famous party thrown by Malcolm Forbes in Casablanca yes well, uh, he and uh, people flew in from all over the world, and I was going to ask you, and I'll ask you now: What is the describe? What is one of the most memorable parties or events you've attended over the years? You know, the Malcolm thing is interesting because I worked for him. Actually, I worked for Forbes magazine years ago, but not long enough to have gone to that party. Gee, the best party! I, I have to say, you know, the Met Ball in the old days—they used to have after parties where all these beautiful young people flowed in. And so you'd have the original celebrities, which is an extraordinary event. I mean, it reminds you of how human and mortal you are going to these things. I think I went three or four times, but in the old days, they were even more fun because it, it kind of opened it up and made it a real party when all the beautiful young people came in. It doesn't happen that way anymore. And then I have to say, I've been on the board of the Parish Art Museum for many, many years. And I have the happiest memories of those parties. Dan, did you ever go in the old museum or even the new? Oh yeah, I've been I've been to those. I was to the hospital benefit. Well, that's very different. Don't put us in the same category. That's thirteen hundred people who mostly don't know each other. <laughs> the parish is is intimate, and it um, and it's rooted in the artists that we live with and that actually come to the event and that we celebrate that night. It's pretty special, I have to say. And we had one this past summer. Um, we usually have six to 700 people. You know, it's, it's our big event of the year and it's very important to the museum. But this year, obviously with COVID, we had to cut way back. I think we were, we were under 300 and it was lovely. It felt almost like a private dinner party. The same wonderful people, extraordinary artists, but round tables as opposed to long kind of anonymous tables. So we all chatted. And we raised more money this year than we ever have, which is kind of interesting for that smaller a number. Do you remember that they were originally going to reproduce the uh, studios of some of the more prominent painters when they were planning on it? And I think the uh, cost of that got out of control. And so they exactly. just had a potato barn affair with Yes. <laughs> I don't even think people... There isn't a proper sign out on the street. There is on the gate, but uh, doesn't say Parish Art Museum. I hear that a lot. There's one little green municipal sign um, and then a very small sign on our actual property. And I think it's a good point. Of course, now we have the beautiful, everything will be all right, lit up day and night, which sort of brings your eye to the um, parish. But no, I agree with you. Maybe it's good. Maybe a lot of people drive by and think, what the hell is that? You know, and then look into it. But um, I agree, we could have better signage. Yeah, probably. Um, what is, what uh, comes to mind that you remember 
being at in the city besides the, the, the parties at the Met. I, I live in the city right across from the Met. Oh, you do? Lucky you. I go out and walk my dog with uh, and when they do those parties and uh, it's, it's amazing what they wear. And uh, they, they build that uh, whole house in front of the museum <laughs> as an entry place. For wow, everybody. you can't miss it from your vantage point, yeah. What, uh, what do you like to do out here? What's your favorite things to do? I like being home. I love my house. I'm up north of the highway. Um, I have just discovered that there are hiking trails within a block of my house, which I never even knew about, that the Boy Scouts kind of put together. So I take little hiking trips with my son. I love finding all these little inlets up north that I've never even seen, these wonderful private little streets and beautiful humble, sweet little neighborhoods right on the water. They're just so charming. Um, and I like some of the, the real authentic local places. I love Shippies. I love Fellinghams. Um, I like kind of the quiet season. I'm very happy right now. The summer's lovely, but I think I like it now better. Oh, it's not peaceful. Yeah. Years ago, if you took the... Uh... Sag Harbor Turnpike out from Bridgehampton to Sag Harbor. In the summer, there was a sign that said, it said on the wooden sign, it said, welcome to Sag Harbor. And then under it, it had visit our, uh, our um, whaling museum, which was on a hinge so that they were smaller and separate. And in the winter, they would replace that sign with the word closed. So the sign would read, this was, I saw this for 20 years. <laughs> the sign read, welcome to Sag Harbor, closed. <laughs> I wish people took it to heart. <laughs> wow, that's another thing I love, that Sag Harbor cinema. Oh my goodness, God bless April Gornick. Have you seen movies there yet? I'm sure you have. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. Wonderful venue. I love the little bar and the lounge on the roof. Yes, I was just going to ask you about that. It's, I haven't actually imbibed there, but I want to. And I look at it every time I'm there. They're not open all the time. And I think they had some sort of freezer issue. But I just love the concept. I love the love and the heart and the thought that went into it. It's very special. You know, when you walk down Main Street in Sag Harbor at any time of day, until about 6 p.m., people talk to you on the street. Well, they and, talk to you, Dan. Well, they talked. I've seen it with everybody. Everybody's really? seen everybody in Sag Harbor. Oh. And uh, has ever talked to me? Oh, they don't. Well, they should. <laughs> I'm going to try next time, and I'll blame it on you if it doesn't work. Okay, let's see, let's see about that. Do you get to the city at all? I do. Yeah, especially now the season. Even though I pretend I'm a hermit. So I go in pretty much every week and I stay with a friend. And I think I am going to try to get a little pied a tear in town again. I think it's not realistic to think I'm going to go without New York forever. It's been two years and um, I think it's time for a little place. We miss the market. I mean, for a while there, you could have grabbed something for, you know, it was a joke and it's coming back up now. But it's the places I'm looking, the East 50s, nobody wants to live there, but I do. I love it over there. I love how quiet and gentle it is you know, Beekman and Sutton. So I'll be back. What do you have planned? Do you have any plans for uh, 
yourself or your family in the coming up in the future? Um, well, we're going to be together as family for Thanksgiving. My husband has a lot of family in Locust Valley, so we'll go. I don't know if that's considered Up Island, but that's where we're going. And then I have another friend who does a traditional Friendsgiving on Friday for all of us. And then I'm hoping, you know, the Hamptons Film Festival and Chase on is doing Macbeth on Saturday night. You probably got that. The, um, where, with Denzel and Francis McDormand. They're not going to be there, but Carter Burwell, who did the music for it, is going to do an introduction. It's at the East Hampton Cinema on Saturday night. Oh, um, so I, I would love to do that. I'm not sure I can. So those are my near-term plans. We like being out here for the holidays. I think Thanksgiving is a particularly cozy, lovely time to be here. There's a, a big paddle dinner at one of the clubs here in Southampton for the paddle tournament that's over the weekend. Even though we're not playing, we're going to eat and join them. Um, so that's fun. These are all just traditional, every Thanksgiving kind of events. Here in East Hampton, I have been Santa Claus for um, in the parade. For... No, that's adorable. It is. And <laughs> put the kids on your lap, and some of them are terrified. <laughs> Do you some... supplement your beard? Oh, yes, yes. I have a false beard of even bigger. And you do switch hats for that, Dan, don't you? I do. I have a, well, I'm Santa Claus. I said way up on the back of the, it's the last float in the parade in East Hampton. When is that? It's, it's coming up and this year they haven't called me. I don't know if we're going to do it or not. It's a oh, if, I so. I want to come see it this year. That sounds wonderful. It is. Well, it's good to talk to. I think we've gone We've gone through a number of things that have been very interesting. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast and wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And, and to you, Dan. I'm so happy to finally meet you. It's sort of crazy we never have all these years, but it's very nice to have spent time with you. Thank you. You too. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.